With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to another new video. Before I begin on the stories, I wanted to give you guys a trigger warning that story number 3 briefly mentions sexual assault, so if that's something you want to avoid, I'll be leaving timestamps in the pinned comment. Also, all of these stories are allegedly true. I didn't write them, they were all submitted to me by viewers, so keep that in mind. All that being said, let's begin, and remember, to always, stay on. I was in my early 20s when this happened to me. I was working two part-time jobs and I was on my own. My stepdad had convinced my mom to kick me and my siblings out of the nest, so to speak. It was soon my turn and I had to take on a second job to pay for rent and food and etc. I was also trying to save up some extra money to finish my college education. Anyway, I had worked second shift in a well-known one-stop shopping store. While I was working, I had noticed a man that was staring at me. He was on the second floor which had a cafe, a bathroom, and also a barber shop there. This floor was off the front of the store. The floor had a wrought iron railing that had actually overlooked to the back of the store. The checkout lanes were the closest view from that railing. A blonde-haired, very tan man had started to stand in a spot directly above my checkout lane. He would lean over the railing and just stare at me for like hours. When I noticed him and looked up at him, he would give me a kind of taunting grin. Employee parking at the time was located across the street from the store. When leaving after my shift, I would find these notes tucked under my windshield. The notes would say things like, Hi cutie, or I hope you know I see you. I was freaked out. I reported this man to loss prevention, and they said they would start walking me to my car at the end of every shift. Well, eventually he decided to make a purchase, and can you guess whose lane he picked? Mine. While checking him out, I had told him I didn't appreciate him staring at me, and didn't he have better things to do with his time. He looked hurt for a second, and he didn't reply. Just took his purchases and then walked off. I didn't see him in the store after that. The notes being left on my car had stopped. Security still walked me to my car for about a week after I told them I told him off. I had finished my shift and went back to my apartment. Now, my apartment was located in the back of a really nice house. My landlords were an elderly couple who had owned and lived in front of the house. I ate a quick snack, changed into my PJs, and then went to bed. I was really exhausted that night. I was lying in bed and I then heard a thump on the outside of my wall of my living room, which was the opposite of my bedroom. Now there had happened to be a storm coming in and it had really gotten so windy, so I thought it was just the wind. Well, I heard an even louder thump yet again and I just knew it wasn't the wind. I get out of bed and tiptoe into the living room to use my landline phone. 
I don't know why, but I had called my mom and not the police. While whispering to try and tell my mom what was happening, I was looking into my kitchen, which was at the back of my apartment. My apartment entrance was a door which led into my kitchen. While looking into the kitchen at my door, I see a hand with a lighter in it and then the sound of my lock being picked. I stupidly step into the kitchen and with nothing to defend myself and then say, Who's there? I then stupidly went and looked out the window and saw a man running from my door towards the alley which ran along my backyard. Well, I did call the police after that. An officer finally came out to take a report. I wasn't able to stay there that night because I was so freaked out. I told the officer that I was going to stay at my mom's house. He stayed with me while I packed a bag and locked up. When we were walking out, we saw the backyard fence gate was wide open. As we were coming down the driveway, I looked at the window where I heard the thudding noises coming from. There was a chair under that window. Also, my window screen was leaning right up against the house. The officer added that to his report. Well, I moved out of that apartment. I really didn't want to because it was a really nice apartment, but I didn't feel safe there anymore. I did eventually find out that the man who had been staring at me happened to be a grave digger. He was often seen hanging out in the cemetery at night. He was really creepy. Was it him that maybe followed me home that night? I still don't know who it was to this day, but I'll never forget that night. The story happened the summer of last year. I live in Dallas, Texas, and I often take the train to work to save money on gas and avoid heavy traffic, plus the fact that the train station was just a block away from my apartments. I was on my way from work taking the train as I usually do daily. For some reason, I decided to get off at the West End stop instead of where I usually get off at to wait for the next train to my house. Downtown seems to have the most dangerous people roaming around than any other stops. Homeless people, drug addicts, and God knows what else. I was standing and waiting for the next train which was about 18 minutes away when a really strange guy kept passing me every two minutes looking at me. My glasses transition to dark whenever I'm outside, so I kept my eyes on him as well as the others. I guess the transit had noticed him too, because on the be safe screen, the camera was passing him as he walked back and forth passing me very slowly. Uncomfortable with the situation, the first train approached. I got on it to go to my usual stop and wait for my train to come, and man, I'm never doing that again. As I got off at my stop, the strange guy that was following me had gotten off too, but he was in the back of the train about 100 feet away from me. After spotting me, he made a v-line to where I was, and then started following me yet again. Shit, here we go. I just kept walking, checking over my shoulders to see if he was still following me. He was, and he was now 50 feet behind me, keeping a steady pace with me. I guess God himself had seen the situation, because right as I approached the gate to where my apartment was, the security guard who literally never parks by the exit gate was actually out there standing by their truck talking amongst themselves. I looked at them and gave them a nod, and they did the same. Meanwhile, the guy turned into the gate as well, and was still following me. When I got out of sight where he wouldn't be able to see me, I speed walked to my house, which was right around the corner, walked in the house, then locked it. About five minutes later, I hear the security guard talking outside my window, and they got the guy. My apartment is located by the pool where a gate has a bar missing where people can slide in and out of it. There was fresh boot prints in the mud where the guy had walked through and was looking for me. 
Thank God the security guard was there and was able to see the situation and act on it. I now drive to work and I'm really thankful that this guy didn't find or get to me. Thank God for that. We've all heard our parents tell us not to give out information on the internet. I mean, they even have shows like Catfish and To Catch a Predator. But do we really think things will happen to us when we get older? Or do we just believe we're not kids anymore and shouldn't be aware? I thought the same thing until recently. I've been a little scared to post this, mostly due to the fear that he'd find me. Before I go into detail, let me tell you the story. Around March 2021, I had used a couple of dating sites. I tried Tinder, Plenty of Fish, and even new ones like Hinge and Bumble. It all happened on OkCupid. I was scrolling through my matches and I came across this really attractive Korean guy. Me being huge into Asian people, really wanted to strike up a conversation, even though he lived in Seoul and I lived in America. What was really interesting about this guy is that we had actually matched on two different dating sites. So in my mind I'm thinking, Maybe this is a sign. He seemed pretty normal at first. He told me he'd get back to me after he got back from skiing, so I shrugged it off and kept scrolling. I thought it was kind of weird that he matched with me, considering he was very fit and I'm just a chunky red-haired girl with piercings. Most Koreans prefer skinny and non-pierced girls from what I was told. Anyway, back to the story. I told my best friend, who also happens to be Korean, all about this guy. I knew that my best friend liked me, so of course it was nothing but insults from him. While talking to my friend, the guy messaged me. I'll call him Sangwoo since that's what he reminds me of. Me and Sangwoo chatted for a bit on OkCupid before he asked me for my cacao talk information. I was a little hesitant at first, but I thought no harm would be done considering there was no personal information on me on there. So we moved the chat to cacao and that's when things got really weird. He called me almost immediately after adding him and he told me some very odd things. I asked a little bit about him and he told me he used to live in America, the state right next to mine. He went on and on and I asked why he was back in Korea. Well, what he said next made me a bit sick. He said he was stuck in Korea due to rape charges. As a victim of rape myself, that didn't settle right with me. He went on to explain that it didn't really happen and for whatever reason, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. He then wanted to say that he wanted to cook me and for me to feel the pain of what being cooked alive felt like, how he killed animals as a kid, and that I should kill my emotional support cat. I immediately got scared and then hung up. He apologized over and over again, saying it was just his sense of humor. Me being a forgiving person, I forgave him. Keep in mind this was the first phone call and the next one was even worse. I'm honestly still kicking myself in the ass for forgiving him in the first place. I was on the phone with my best friend again, and he called me on cacao. At this point, my best friend was getting really infuriated, as he wanted to spend all his time with me since he liked me so much. I explained I'd call him back, and he just sigh and agree. I answered the phone, and it's saying woo. Now, this is where shit gets really weird. I had done some drinking that night, and saying woo seemed a bit worried, I suppose. He tells me he's going to get me help, then the phone call drops. The next thing I know, I get a call on my phone from a number I don't recognize. I answer the call, and it's saying woo. How'd you get my cell number? Oh, your friend gave it to me. My stomach dropped. 
I forgot that I made the mistake of dropping a close friend's name in the convo. When I asked her about it, she said some really weird Asian guy came at her, saying I needed a hospital, and considering she couldn't reach anyone, she gave him my number. I froze. After that, he was able to find my Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram, and everything you can imagine. Scared out of my mind, I tried to remain calm. That is, until Sangwoo opened up to me even more. It had literally only been like one day, and he told me that he was growing feelings for me. He then went on to tell me he was legally a psychopath, and all about his dark thoughts about impregnating me so that I could never run away from him, and that he wanted us to have a house where Amber Alerts don't mean shit, and to have a basement in that house with a locked door that only he knew the combination to. I immediately hung up and cried to my best friend once again about it. Sangwoo messaged me again, and what was really scary about this one is that it was my own home address. And after he sent it, he then said, I'm coming over on May 26th. My heart was pounding, and I remember being so scared that I begged my mom to arm the security system, and I changed my phone number. A couple of months have passed since then, and I'm now dating my best friend. My best friend now boyfriend told me Sangwoo got a hold of him, and basically told him that I was only his friend because of pity and the fact that he was a virgin. All of this, of course, was a lie. I still get calls from Korea every once in a while about how Sangwoo still loves me and the person I'm with now is no good. I've blocked all the numbers and I even changed my phone number once again. So far, he hasn't showed up or called me, and I really pray it stays that way. To make matters worse, he told me he was going to school to be a psychiatrist, so everyone in Korea or even in the States, please be careful. Sangwoo, I really hope you get the help you need, and please, for the love of God, let's never meet in real life. And to anyone still listening, please don't give any of your info to strangers online, even if it's something as basic as cacao. Just don't do it. Hey everyone, apologies for the brief interruption on the stories, but I wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Best Fiends. I had recently started searching for a puzzle game that could give me a really good challenge. Something that requires more than the same exact strategy round after round. But the more my search went on, the more I wondered if I'd ever even find it. And that's when I came across Best Fiends. The mobile puzzle game that always leaves your brain feeling refreshingly challenged. The game is so challenging, fun, and unique, and it really makes my brain feel like it got a deep tissue massage. Best Fiends is so much more exciting than any of the other matching puzzle games that I've played before. You know, the ones where all you do is smash candy over and over again. It's almost too much fun that I can't stop playing it. Not that that's been a problem though, since Best Fiends literally has thousands of fun puzzles to solve. I'm on level 4 right now, so I've still got a lot more to go. With Best Fiends, there's something new to play every single day, and the collectible characters just keep on coming. I really enjoyed the level 3 battle against the Slug Menace. It was really fun, silly, and challenging, and I had a good time battling that one out. Best Fiends also constantly puts out updates, so there's always going to be something new to explore. Perhaps you're like me and have some doubts about finding a good puzzle game with more to offer. I highly suggest you give Best Fiends a try, but just don't blame me if you can't put it down. Download the 5 star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
With our city reopening after lockdown, some of my girlfriends and I were really excited to go out on the town again. Our city repealed mass restrictions and various other clubs and venues had opened up. We were either finishing college or had just finished college, so we had a lot of celebrating to do. We went to an arcade place to play skee-ball, air hockey, arcade machines, drink, and get buffalo wings. That sort of thing. There we were drinking at the bar when I had noticed someone who looked like a poor homeless man there. Now, around here, most stores try to run off homeless people so they don't scare away customers, but we just kind of felt bad for him. One of my friends had decided to buy him a drink and some chicken. She wasn't into him, just felt like giving something to a homeless guy. We could hear them talking since they weren't too far away, and they were laughing. Apparently, the guy wasn't actually homeless. He was just kind of disheveled since he had let himself go during lockdown, and he was just getting out to readjust. Okay, nothing really strange there. Or so we thought. We have some other friends who are the same. They kind of fell apart during lockdown and having no real reason to look their best all the time. Our friend came back to us and we enjoyed our night. We left as the place closed up and we were waiting on another friend of ours to come pick us up since none of us were really sober enough to drive. Now, things got kind of fuzzy here since we weren't exactly sure what we were thinking. The dirty looking guy showed up again and began talking with my friend, then to the rest of us. While he was talking... I began to feel a little strange since we didn't really know this guy, and he was acting all friendly to us. Eventually, I was getting a little creeped out since, while he didn't say anything off-putting, the others talking didn't stop him from bringing us back around to him trying to give us a ride home, asking where we lived, if we lived together, and that sort of thing. I was apparently looking really nervous as well since one of my friends pulled me aside and told me to stop acting rude. Our friend and him exchanged Snapchats, and he finally left. Weird, but honestly something I would have forgotten about quickly. It wasn't our first exposure to a pickup artist hounding us. Our driver finally arrived and picked us up, and we went back to one of our friends' homes since her folks were visiting some friends out of town, and we had the whole place to ourselves. The plan was to spend the night together watching movies and eating so that none of us went home looking smashed, especially since some of us lived with our parents still, while others had children. As we were relaxing, putting on a movie and breaking out the edibles, I then heard a friend say, Oh my god, Nora, look, and then point to the window in the back of the living room. I turned, looked out into the backyard, and didn't see anything. Just the lights of the neighbor's house. Uh, what's up? Was it one of the cats? I asked her since she lived in a different neighborhood and didn't know that we had a ton of strays in the area. Cats? You have cats? She asked, and I explained the whole stray situation to her. She just said that it must have been a really fat cat, and we then moved on. We're watching TV for a while, when our social friend from before then gets a ping on her phone. She checks her messages, and sure enough, it's the dirty guy from before. He's asking about what she's doing, and if she wants to chat. She tells him she's busy, and we continue watching TV. There's yet another ping and she just rolls her eyes and ignores him while muting her phone. Every so often she would check it just to see if her family messaged her. At one point she recoiled back into the couch and then covered her mouth. There was a long list of messages and a picture sent to her. It was the back of our friend's house with us in the living room and it looked like it was taken from the backyard. Now keep in mind... We're a bunch of five foot something sub 100 pounds women with maybe basic self-defense classes for some of us. 
So we started to panic and began closing up the windows, locking the doors, burying the siding glass door, and then went for the knives in the kitchen. We weren't really sure if we should hide upstairs or maybe run outside where he might chase us. We huddled together and we all started to sob and mumble like scared kids. One of us thought about calling the cops. However, we're smart enough to know that getting them involved ever is generally a bad idea. Instead, I called a friend of mine and explained what was going on. My friend Robert was a Missouri boy and he was 200 pounds of country beef. I was struggling to explain what was going on since we were waiting for the guy to break in through the sliding glass door or windows. Eventually I got my point across and he told us to remain calm, grab knives, and then head upstairs. He said to wait at the top of the stairs with something really heavy and to use it if he tried coming up. He told us he would be right over and that he already knew where we kept the spare key. Well, about 10 minutes later, we heard the door unlatching and watched. Maybe the stalker was picking the lock. Maybe he found the spare key. We had the lights on so we could see whoever came in and we also had the upstairs block with the sofa that we were ready to push down. The door opened and we braced ourselves, and sure enough, our blonde hero comes in, packing heat. We were relieved and we pulled back the sofa so he could get to us. He told us he pulled up but didn't see anyone. You haven't seen him since? He asked. No, he sent the picture and he hasn't messaged us. So he hasn't come in? No, no broken glass or anything. Now, we thought maybe we were being idiots. Maybe the guy was just pulling some sick prank to scare us and then just left. Then our friend checked her phone again. So, some of my friends would love to meet your friends. Smiley face. That made her cry. We realized if he was gone, he might be getting friends. I'm not paranoid, but we were all warned that since we were young women, that human traffickers and kidnapping was a pretty real threat for pretty young girls. We showed Robert the message and asked if he would stay with us. He tends to be busy with his family, so I was kind of worried for a moment that he wouldn't be able to stay with us. He asked if we called the cops. I explained that of course we didn't since we had some weed. Some of us weren't white and I've gotten really weird looks from officers before for wearing a hijab in public. Come outside with me, he said. He wanted us to stay by him. We followed him outside to the driveway where his car was backed in. He opened up the trunk and began handing the each of us a loaded handgun. He gave one of my friends a shotgun, another a rifle, and then kept two handguns and a shotgun for himself. We went back inside to take a moment to make sure we knew how the safeties worked and also how to load and unload them. The basics. As silly as it sounds, most of us had never actually seen a firearm outside of the movies. Alright, I'm going to do a once over of the front and back, he told us. Stay down here and shoot anything that isn't me that tries to come in. Seems simple enough, and we nodded along. He then went outside and we waited downstairs for him to come back. While we're waiting for him, our friend checks her phone again. I really hope you girls know how to use those toys. Smiley face, followed by another picture of our house, though just from the front. We thought about Rob being out there and considered running out, but we were way too scared. We thought maybe he had friends with them. He must be dangerous if he wasn't scared of us. Then my phone goes off. It's Rob. Hey, I'm at the front door. Don't shoot me. He comes in looking normal, shotgun in hand. No gunshots. Rob isn't red in the face or shaking or anything. The coast was clear, but our friend with the phone set down her gun and is just bawling now. Another friend took her phone, 
and then showed us what it said. We like your blonde friend. He has really nice hair. I froze. None of us were sure what to say. We knew whoever it was, they had seen Rob too. If Rob was scared, he didn't show it. The guy just sighed and said, Well, so there's probably more than one. He then told us to keep the lights on and then go upstairs and watch TV. The worst thing we could do was just sit still in the quiet and wait. Go up to the loft, turn on the TV, watch something and listen. He said he would sit downstairs and wait until the morning. He told us to try and relax and calm down and just listen. If anything happens, get to the top of the stairs and wait. He specifically told us not to come down and just watch the top of the stairs. It felt like hours had passed. When I checked my phone, maybe like 30 minutes had went by. We were watching some action movies trying to feel better, thinking maybe if we were pumped up watching a movie, maybe it would be easier to get into a fight. Honestly, I was shaking way too much to even pay attention, and my heart was beating in my ears. I'm pretty sure all of us were in the same boat. We just sat there stiff as boards and waited. Eventually, I can't take it anymore, and I go down. Rob was sitting there with a Pepsi and watching TV with the volume low. He was looking around every so often, and he told me he saw something move in the backyard earlier. He kept the windows locked and the back door barred, so he was waiting for them to try and get in. Then he asked if we had any chips. Yes, right in the middle of this, when I'm shaking and soaking wet and he's not even sweating. Something about that really got to me, and I finally broke down. He just gave me a hug, and he told me to go back upstairs and sit with my friends. That he promised to make sure nothing happened. Sometime later, we heard it. Glass shattering, heavy banging echoed upstairs. Someone was muffled or grunting or something. We considered running downstairs, but no one was brave enough to do it. We just whispered to each other, hoping not to be heard, repeating Rob's orders to stay upstairs so that we wouldn't feel bad about leaving him down there. All the time, we could hear it. A sudden bang came out. It rang our ears, and we could feel our rib bones shake. Surely we yelped, but we were confident we weren't heard. Another loud bang rattled our bones, and we began aiming down the steps. Something like pistol fire came out next. At least I think so, since it wasn't quite as loud or heavy to hear. Now that should have been the end of it, or so we hoped. To shoot the bad guys, but we kept hearing snapping, like the tables downstairs were breaking and things were getting knocked around and slammed into. Then suddenly, it stopped. It was dead quiet in the house. Some of us began to sob again. We kept the other shotgun ready and listened. Surely Rob would say something. No word from him. I felt my stomach twist into knots and began to listen for footsteps. No moaning in pain, no footsteps, no ransacking the house like we were being robbed. Nothing. It was completely quiet. Just our own murmuring and the low volume of the TV behind us. Again... I'm not really sure how long it was, but eventually we decided to do something. I felt like I was going to explode if I didn't move, and we slowly crept down the stairs in the line. Turning to the side over the banister and reaching the living room, it looked like our living room, dining room, and kitchen had been totally hit by a tornado. The dining room table was smashed, the chairs were overturned, one of the couches looked like the back had been broken down the middle, a huge chunk of the tile on the kitchen island had been shattered. The liquor cabinet was wrecked, and there was glass, splintered wood, tile, casings, and blood all over the place. There were bullet holes and buckshot in the wall by the shattered sliding glass door and liquor cabinet. 
Robert was there on his ass, leaning against a wrecked china cabinet. He had a black eye and a swollen side of his face. His glasses were bent, his jacket was cut up, and he was bleeding all over himself with cuts everywhere. Thankfully, one of us started talking to him and slapping his face, and he was alright. Yeah, he said he was alright. Well, my heart's still beating, so I must be alright. I'm not even kidding, he actually said that while trying to get to his feet. That didn't go very well, and we began trying to get him to the couch. He mumbled that there were two of them that came in and then ran back outside. One apparently fell into the pool before getting out and then scrambling over the fence after his accomplice. Sure enough, the pool was bloody, and there was a big messy trail all over the place. They shouldn't be coming back, he said. Something seemed worse after that. The sliding glass door was shattered, and we could hear the winds and the sounds of outside coming in. We just waited for someone to come running in from the darkness, screaming and waving a knife around. Meanwhile, the only guy who could probably fight was acting like a tough guy, and trying to self-operate with a first aid kit we got him from upstairs. It was pretty quiet the rest of the night. I still remember a friend falling to her knees and praying, right as the sky turned to orange and blue at dawn. My friend's parents came home a few hours later. We considered cleaning, but we weren't really sure since by that point we were pretty certain they would call the police. Rob had stopped the bleeding and had stayed with us until then. Our friend's parents were of course shocked and terrified when they came inside their house and saw the scene. They called the cops and took charge of things. They knew how to talk to the fuzz while we really didn't, and they then took statements from me, Rob, and then one other who I think they deemed wasn't too hysterical. The police were concerned about the guns, but he had the right papers for all of them, and they said they would keep an eye out for the two burglars. They got the guy's info from the app on my friend's phone, and then left after making sure none of us needed emergency treatment. This was all about two weeks ago now, but thankfully everything's fine. My friend isn't getting bothered by that guy on Snapchat anymore. My other friend fixed the damage to their house, and Rob made a full recovery and got his glasses fixed. None of us slept well for a while, but we held onto the gun for a few more days while at our own places. No mention of any two guys getting caught, so I think they're still out there. I just hope they're scared of us enough now that they never try this again with anyone else. It was by far the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me and my friends, and I don't wish it on anyone.